Kyle Klingman here with Track Wrestling for our fourth edition of How Wrestling Built Me. Who is the greatest two-sport athlete of all time? I'd like to nominate our next guest, Stephen Neal. Neal placed fourth at the 1994 state championships in California. And then five years later, he was an NCAA champion and a world champion in wrestling. College credentials are he was a four-time All-American, placed fourth as a freshman, reached the finals of the NCAA championships as a sophomore, then won two NCAA championships, won titles in 1998 and 1999, won the world championships after his senior year of college, was named the outstanding wrestler in the world that season, and then placed second at the 2000 Olympic trials to Kerry McCoy. Well, what happened next was he went and found himself a career in the National Football League. And mind you, he did not play a down of college football. Zero college football experience. And then what did he do? He went on to a 10-year career with the New England Patriots as an offensive lineman. Won three Super Bowl rings, and he did it because he had a wrestling background. This is how wrestling built me. How did wrestling translate into another profession? It happened to be that Stephen Neal took the skills of wrestling and applied them and went into the NFL. Our guest, one of the greatest two-sport athletes of all time, Stephen Neal, on How Wrestling Built Me. Our fourth guest for How Wrestling Built Me is Stephen Neal, two-time NCAA wrestling champion, 1999 World Wrestling Champion, played 10 years in the pros with the New England Patriots, three-time Super Bowl champion. Stephen Neal, thanks for being a guest. Thanks for having me. Let's go way back. What was it like growing up in San Diego, California? Uh, it was fun. You know, I uh, didn't know any different. Just, uh, I mean, it's it's cold if you could see your breath. So um, we were outside playing year-round, uh, riding bikes. Um, yeah, it's a lot different than, uh, living places where there's, there's a lot of weather. So you have the ability to be outside and playing and, and doing activities uh, outside every single day of the year for the most part. What'd your parents do to get you active? Were they pushing you out to the beach and having you do things? Uh, we had, there's three boys. So, um, if we didn't want to break the stuff inside the house, we had to go out there and we could play a little rougher out there. So. Um, but yeah, my parents took us to the beach. Um, there's mountains close by. We'd go there. Uh, my dad used to take us on, uh, Saturdays. We'd go do some kind of an activity, whether it's, we go play racquetball or basketball or home run derby or something. We were always doing stuff on Saturdays, just promoting sport and, um, and the active lifestyle. I think my mom signed us up for fun runs, which aren't fun if you're competitive because you're trying to win. <laughs> so yeah, just, just a lot of that kind of stuff. What were your parents like? Uh, well, my, my mom was one of 10 kids. Uh, they came out from South Dakota when she was uh, in middle school, and her dad was a real hard-working farmer. And when he came out to uh, to San Diego, he just got job after job after job and worked super hard. So, you know, she's a hard worker, and then my dad, he was an athlete. And he, he came from hard work as well. So they just that was kind of just something that, you know, you're going to – whatever you do, you're going to give it your all, and uh, that's something that kind of – stuck with me my whole life. What were the sports you started participating in at an early age? 
So early age, I remember doing t-ball one time. That was really boring. Um, and then we got into soccer. My dad didn't want me to do football because he thought I could get hurt before you know high school age. So we did uh, we did soccer. So that was about it. And then with my brothers, we just we did everything out outside. We played football catch. We'd play pickle, you know, uh, the, with the baseball, throwing it back and forth, stealing bases. Uh, we were always inventing games too. We get baseball bats and pretend like we're playing hockey, hitting each other in the shins. Um, <laughs> trying to hit the ball, but we were just real active. We had, you know, all kinds of sporting equipment and would go out there and have some fun. Do you think that's a good model to develop later in life is having a lot of different activities? I know there's a lot of talk about sports specialization. Do you feel like that's a good way to approach it? I think I, in my personal opinion, I think it's, it's good to go out there and, and compete, um, at different things. Uh, cause for one, if you just stay in one sport and you get really good, you're not going to, you're not going to develop that, uh, that yearning for knowledge. So when you go try a different sport, you might be behind other people and you have to figure out, okay, I don't like losing. Why are they winning? And then you kind of develop a sense of how to figure out what they're doing so you can be more successful. So I think playing different sports is good. And you look forward to the next season. Like, you know, you, you put your football away and you're like, all right, let's go into wrestling. You put your wrestling stuff away. Hey, let's go into track and field or you know, swimming or wherever it is. And then, you know, you, every new year you're kind of fresh into it. Well, you might not hit your top, your, your top, uh, in ninth, 10th or 11th grade, but maybe 12th grade, you get to college and, and you focus on something then you really can, can develop the, the higher skills. Where along your journey did you find wrestling and how did you find it? Yeah, so ninth grade after my uh, freshman, uh, or well, I was on JV football because our school didn't have a lot of participants. Um, I was in a homeroom and I had a buddy, Ross Matthews. He sits there and he's like, hey, Steve, what sport are you going to do for the next uh, sporting cycle? And I said, well, you know, my dad played basketball in college, so I'm probably do basketball. And he told me, well, what, what about wrestling? I said, I don't know anything about wrestling. He said, all you need to know is that it's tougher than football. And so right then I was like, you got to be kidding me. Football is the toughest because um, I didn't know anything about wrestling. So he challenged me to come out and I went out there and right away I knew it was a little bit different, but being stubborn, I wouldn't admit to him uh, how tough wrestling was because uh, first day coach is like, put on your running shoes. We ran two miles and we came in, put on your wrestling shoes and started banging. So um, right then it was different, but like I said, being stubborn, I wouldn't admit it. I finally admitted it at the end of my freshman year. Coach gave me this little, uh, uh, granite paperweight. It said Stephen Neal most improved. I had my name spelled wrong, but um, the thing was, I, I kind of got hooked to it, and that's that's when I started wrestling. I was able to stick with it. I'm glad I did because it taught me so much. Did you stick with it because you genuinely liked it, or was it to prove people wrong? Uh, well, you know, I was talking to my dad, and, and he had never really been around wrestling. He's a basketball player, and he really just liked watching me go out there and fight and compete because uh, I didn't have any really skills or technique, but I just didn't want to lose. And so he encouraged me not to give it up. And uh, I told him one time, like, Dad, but you know how hard it is fighting off your back. It's, it sucks. It, you know, you're getting choked and you're, it, it, it hurts. And he's like, well, why don't you do that to other people? Put them on their back. And it's like, okay, huh, I got to figure out how to do that. So um, I, I went back that next year. Didn't do much better. But then in between my sophomore and junior, he started taking me to freestyle tournaments in the off season, and just getting that mat time and that – um experience, I started being able to figure things out a little bit, a little bit better. So uh, happy I stuck with it. What did going to the Jay Robinson intensive camps do for you? So 
So yeah, I got to go in between my junior and senior year. And, uh, I, for one, I didn't want to go to the intensive one. I, I went to the technique one. Cause I'm like, man, this is the off season. I, I do not need to be running a marathon and then have, you know, a couple of months off playing football and then, and then, uh, have to get back in shape for wrestling. So I, I kind of chickened out and went to the technique one, but the goal setting aspect, uh, was something I'd never really thought about. They just talked about setting your goals super high, um, you know, setting a goal per year and then long-term and, and it just, there's something like, Oh, that makes, makes a lot of sense. I'd never really thought about goal setting before. I was just going out there and trying to do my best and I, yeah, I wanted to win, but um, I didn't really know that there was a progression where you could, you know, I, I really want to get good at this move and then, you know, a month later get good at this and, and then kind of develop that plan uh, into being successful. So I think probably the, uh, the technique aspect was good, but the goal setting aspect was even better. And then you placed fourth at state your senior year. Do you feel like you made big gains from your junior year to your senior year that allowed you to have some confidence to go into college? Um, yeah, so my junior year, I, I was a match away from uh, placing in state. They placed in top eight. And I kept running into this guy who he was from Poway, where I, where I live now. They're, they're a good team here in California, San Diego. And, uh, he never shot. I was shot, but I had such bad shots. He would just front headlock me and, and, and then get behind me. And so it was so frustrating. Um, cause I didn't really have a good technical, technical shot. I was shooting, grab, grab around your legs, just lay on my belly and try to work up to my knees and then lift them up. And, and he was just too, too technical and had a good uh, front headlock that I couldn't, couldn't uh, get that to work. So then next year he graduated and I was still taking bad shots, but I was a little bit stronger and a little bit bigger. And they had more experience. So that, that, that kind of, I, I was really hoping to win the state. Uh, Casey Strand, he was the, the undefeated guy and I wrestled him in the semis and he just low singled me to death. And I had never seen that before. And I didn't even know how to stop it. So that was kind of, um, that was kind of frustrating getting in a spot where you don't know what to do. And so after that, I figured out what to do and I was, they taught me what to do. And then I felt more confident, but I never wanted to go out there on the mat, not knowing what to do after that match. Um, that that senior year in the semis just that's the most helpless feeling you can have is not knowing how to stop what someone's doing and uh so after that i figured it out and then i don't think i got low single very much anymore after that and then you played football all four years in high school i did i did i played football four years and i actually thought i was going to get a football scholarship that was my how my mind worked i was going to go out there and and play for whatever college i chose because they're going to be a bunch of offers and uh, do really well in college, but that wasn't the, 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 the plan how it worked out. I had no interest for someone, my height and about 200 pounds. Um, and at 17 years old, I wasn't fully developed and athletic as I became later. So the options were, were not there for me for football, but thank, thank God that, that, uh, I, I stuck with wrestling. Cause that's where my opportunity to compete in college came from was the sport of wrestling. How did you get hooked on Cal State Bakersfield? Was that your only choice? Did you have other options to wrestle in college? Yeah, so I uh, one of the guys here in San Diego, his son wrestled there and uh, was a coach. Uh, his name was Dick Bailey. Rich Bailey was his son, a really good technical wrestler. But um, he said, hey, Steve, you want to go watch a dual meet, uh, Cal State Bakersfield and Fresno State? And um, I said, yeah, I'm going to go. So we drove up there. Uh, I watched them. I had never heard of Bakersfield before. Because you know, as a as an as a sports fan, you watch TV and in the, the the games you see on TV are Division One football games or basketball games. At that time, they didn't have you know ESPN three; they just had a few channels. And so um, I'd seen Fresno State before in basketball or football, 
I never heard of Cal State, and so they kept telling me, no, 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 for sure, they are Division One. And um, when I went up there, I watched. I saw a bunch of guys. They were competing. They were tough. They were they weren't ranked above Fresno, but they ended up beating them that night. They had a big crowd. Well, I never had any crowds uh, watching me wrestle in high school, so that was kind of cool. But then I got recruited by four different schools. There was Cal State Fullerton, uh, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, uh, Bakersfield, and University of Oregon. So I went to all four of those those schools, and um, I had a good time at, at all of them. But there was only one school during the springtime that was actually wrestling. So Bakersfield, they were in there, and they're they're banging, they're wrestling. Uh, the one ninety pounder Pascal Drew, um, who in ninety six took second in the country, dislocates his finger, comes running off by me, and I see his finger pointing the other way, and I'm thinking to myself, "Oh, this guy's done for a while." He comes back in, taped up, and goes back out there and starts wrestling again. And so right right then is when I kind of thought, "Man, I want to be tough like these guys. I want to. I need to work to get to where I want to go." And these guys are, are, are here doing it. I want to be a part of this. So that's why I chose Bakersfield. And it turned out to be a good decision for me. You placed fourth at the state tournament at 189 pounds your senior year, as we mentioned. If you had to look back now, where would you say you were in your development? How good were you? Were you completely raw? Did you have some skills? How would you rate yourself? I was completely raw. I had no... <laughs> I was, it was funny. I just got a VCR. I was watching old tapes and it's like, I was embarrassed at what I was doing, rolling around, just flopping around. Um, but the one thing I had decent body control. So a lot of times I could, I could end up on top against high school kids. But then once I got to college, none of that stuff worked. I would shoot in and I would try to circle away from my head instead of towards my head. So all the stuff I was doing was completely wrong. Um, but I, the one thing I did have is I had the, the, the desire to, to win, the desire to fight, and not be afraid to get tired. And that's the perfect thing you need when you get into college if you have those things. Um, you, coaches can really work at that, and then they can mold you. And I think because I didn't focus on wrestling the whole time, that gave me the ability to really improve when I started to focus on wrestling full-time. You redshirted your freshman year. What did you gain in that first year of competing in the room at Cal State Bakersfield? Um, I gained a lot of technique um, and understanding of the moves. So my co coach, Coach Pope, he saw that I had, I mean, I would just dive in there and grab a leg and try to finish. And so he gave me this video from John Azevedo, uh, the penetration step video. And John was a Cal State athlete. He was coaching at um, Calvary Chapel, who was winning the state back in that time. And so I'd watch that thing every night, and then I'd go and do the drills in the practice room, you know, changing levels stepping with your front leg, you penetrating, hitting that knee, coming up with your trail leg and your trail leg's not too far forward. It's there, you know, behind you so you can get that momentum to come up. And so I would just do these drills all that whole season. You know, I, I didn't have to worry about competing. There was a few tournaments I'd, I entered in, but I really worked on that shot and that penetration step because I would just, I would dive in before. And so now I'm working on getting back up to my feet and finishing. And so that whole year, that was pretty much my main focus was trying to get that penetration step and that shot where I'm changing levels, penetrating and coming up. And so that's, I think that was my biggest game that first year was that, uh, that leg attack. The following season, you went to the NCAA championships, actually had a, a couple good things go your way on the backside. You lost in the second round and then you got a couple default wins and you get all the way to the consolation finals for third place, lose to Tolly Thompson for third, you place fourth as a redshirt freshman. How do you feel like that season went? Your team did really well. You guys got a team trophy at Cal State Bakersfield. Did you feel like you were on the cusp of something after that redshirt freshman year? 
Yeah, you know the the, lo- the losses that I had, I had there's a couple of bad losses that I had. Um, but for the most part, the guys I lost to, I was in most of those matches. Uh, I, I got beat by Billy Pierce pretty good. Um, there's a guy from Wisconsin. Um, he rode me the whole time when we were in uh, um, uh, Las Vegas. I lost cl- a couple close ones to Aaron Richardson. Um, the one I lost in the Nationals in the second round to the Seth Brady, I just don't think I was mentally ready for that one. Um, but it was a one-point match. And then I, 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 I went out there against Tolly and I wanted to give it my all. Uh, he was just more, he was just more mature than I was. He was a better wrestler than I was. And I was kind of hanging. I was lucky to keep that one as close as I did. Um, but I was really satisfied with the, the effort I gave all year. Um, and I ended up with eight losses, but I ended up taking fourth. And then, uh, my coach was so good. He's trying to motivate me. Hey, no one believes you can even get this close next year. Cause Kerry was coming back. Uh, let's see if you can improve on your uh, fourth place finish and try to win this thing. So um, I was really, I was so fortunate to have Daryl Pope as my coach, just the motivational side, the technique side, and then the competition side, we practiced every day against each other. So it was a, a great, um, great situation I found myself in. Could you feel yourself getting better at wrestling? Oh, absolutely. Um, so when I first got to Cal State, I was barely getting any takedowns. You know, I might get one a week, you know, and then and then just kept grinding and grinding. I think you get in those competitive rooms, and there's two ways you can go. You can either say, I don't like this, I'm going to find a way, or you just accept the fact that these guys are better or they're bigger or they're stronger. And I, I, I chose the first. I said, I, I'm not going to accept getting pounded every day. I'm going to fight, and I'm going to learn. And I asked each one of my teammates to show me their moves and teach me so I could know what they're doing and so I could use it on other people. And, uh, and that's the one sad thing. Cause I've seen some people do it the other way where they're just, especially competing against me, you know, they got a 90 pounder, 77 pounder. It's like, you're just bigger than me. Well, that's ne- never the attitude to have. I mean, I, I remember hearing stories about Dan Gable challenge all the big guys cause he wanted to be the best. So, um, I just, I was very fortunate to be in a situation where, um, I had good, the good coaching and, and, uh, in the mindset thing too, coach Pope is always talking about, get that first takedown, work on your penetration. And, uh, and that helped me get more confidence. And then we trained super hard and, and, um, and then getting out there, it really translated in, in a competition. Where did that come from? That drive to improve? Do you think that's something you just had, or is it something your parents cultivated in you? How did you obtain that type of thinking? Um, I think it's a combination of both, but I, I remember at a young age, I, every time I'd lose, I'd be crying. I'd be so mad and frustrated because I didn't want to lose, you know? And so then when I, you don't want to lose, you go out there and you, you practice stuff, you lose in basketball. And then, you know, what? I'm going to go shoot on the basket for an hour because I want to get good. I want to dribble. I want to do layups. And so, um, you know, raising kids, uh, <laughs> um, my kids are, are are fairly good, but they just don't take the time to do work outside of practice. And it's, it's frustrating to me because you could be so much better if you, you know, uh, I, I don't say cared more, but if you, if you did the little things and, and spent a little extra time, you know, uh, refining your game. So, um, I, I think it's some for my parents, some from myself. And then definitely there's a lot up there in Bakersfield where, um, you know, we're not going to let you off your back. You got to fight off. And so you just, 
you got to get through it, you know? And so I think it's, it's a combination of all those things. The next season, we go into your sophomore season. You place fourth as a freshman, and then you get second place at the Unidome in Cedar Falls, Iowa at the NCAA Championships. There was a stall call. I've talked to people that they're still upset about that. In a way, they felt like it was a bad call. Take us through that moment against Kerry McCoy, a guy that you would compete against quite often. It was his senior year, only lost one match at heavyweight. What was it like getting to second place, but not quite reaching your goals? Well, yeah. So I, they came out earlier in that year uh, to Bakersfield for a dual meet, and um, he rode me for the entire second period. And so uh, I lost the match four to zero because it was it was two to zero, and then with you know ten seconds left in the match, I just was shooting and shooting. He spun behind, so I lost four zero in Bakersfield. And so I knew I needed to be able to get away. Um, I knew on my feet, it was tough to score on. He was a real defensive wrestler. Um, so that first period I'm like, okay, we're going to, I'm going to make, I'm going to, I'm going to get away and that's going to change the the match. And so we were wrestling. I got dinged for a stall call in the first period. And yeah, I wasn't attacking, but neither was he. I, he did a good job of slapping the knees, which is a lot smarter than I was. Cause I wasn't doing that. And so I got hit with the stall call in the first period. Um, but you got to think two years before, um, or actually three years before he was a national champ and I was fourth in the state. So I, I knew I had a big gap to, to close to, to, to beat him. Um, but then I, he, he was riding me good and I hit that standing Granby and I was so excited. I didn't capitalize on the, I could have probably got some near fall, but I wasn't able to, he, he gets up and when the third period and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to wait till it gets down to about 30 seconds, 20 seconds, and then I'm going to go. And then right when I was about to go, they hit the stalling call. And I just, I waited too long. I, I must have waited too long. But, um, you know, I learned a lot from that match. And I was really fortunate to to even be there because I, I ran into Tolly in the semifinals. And that was probably the toughest college match I had. We He was he was on fire. And, and I was I was actually stalling on that match. I got hit for stalling a couple of times. I think gave up a point. Um, but that was that was a great experience for me. And, and I learned that, uh, you know what, you can't let it be close and leave it in the rough hands. You guys got to go and, and uh, find a way to separate yourself so that that situation doesn't happen again. The next two seasons, 1998 season, your junior season, then 1999, you were really the talk of college wrestling. You go undefeated those years, but it wasn't just that you were winning, as that you were dominating. How did you develop this dominating style where you either teched heavyweight, which is hard to do, and pin these guys? How did you develop that mentality? Uh, well, you know, Mike, my, my wrestling partner and coach, Daryl Pope, um, at the end of each season, so just to take it back to that McCoy year, that whole season, he's like, hey, Steve, no one expects you to win it this year. They expect you to win it after. So you got to go out there and you got to win it. So he's like, when you win it this year, I want you to, we need to teach you the backflip so you can hit a backflip. So the entire season, I'm working on this backflip so I can hit. So after I beat McCoy, I can do this backflip. So he had it in my mind I was going to win, and I had it in my mind I was going to win. We had this plan, and then once I won, I was going to hit this backflip. So that was the whole sophomore season. The junior season, he's like, hey, no one, everyone knows you're, you're going to win this thing. you got to go out there, and you got to show them that you're the best wrestler in the whole nation. you got to dominate. And so it was just having that guy in my ear every single day. Hey, you got to cut him. You got to take him down again, you know, in practice. Hey, there's 10 seconds left. Cut him, take him down. You know, so we're just working on stuff the entire season to try to wrestle that style. And so then that carried over to the next year. And it was like, Hey, we got to pin as many people as possible. I think my senior season, it was like, you can't give up one 
uh, reversal or take down the entire season. And I fell short of that goal. I got reversed in the, in the pack 10 finals. Um, that was the only point beside a, a escape I gave up the entire season. So having those goals outside of just winning, uh, really helped me to work harder in practice and to, uh, to try to set myself apart. And I'm actually watching old films and every single time I walk off the mat, I'm upset about something, you know? So I just wasn't satisfied just winning. And I think that helped me, um, to have the career that I had. Do you feel like you carried a responsibility for, especially home dual meets to put an entertaining product on the mat? So fans would show up. Oh, absolutely. We didn't have a big fan base like you do in some of the, a lot of the big 10 schools. And so we had to go out there and perform. And I think people can recognize whether you win or you lose, that you're giving the maximum effort and you're, you're trying and being tough. So um, we, we try to bring that brand of, of wrestling to Bakersfield. And a lot of people would come out and, and support and watch and, and then have pride of, of our city that we can compete against some of these, these good, uh, well-known schools. So yeah, definitely. We try to have that uh, influence people to want to come out and, and to stay uh, wrestling fans. And then 1998 NCAA championship finals, you put up 20 points. And as we know, for a heavyweight match, I think until David Taylor, that was the most points for one person. I think it tied Randy Lewis as well. How do you put up that points? How do you make sure you keep on it in the national finals to keep the intensity? So you put up that many points on the board. Well, I'd wrestled a, a Trent in, in Midlands, I believe. And I just remember I could take him down. Our styles were, I, I could change levels. I could penetrate. I could, I could get there. And if you watch that match, I'm looking at the corner cause I'm wanting to cut him. But coach Kerr, I think he was, this is the first time he'd been in the finals in, in a little while. And he was, he was, I think he was more nervous than I was. So I, I wanted to just keep cutting and take him down, cut, take down, you know, cause I, I just felt like I was, it, it was my time. Cause I was supposed to wrestle Aaron Richardson, who was, a, a, for me, it was a lot tougher matchup. And so once I got, um, uh, Trent in the finals, I, I felt really confident. I just wanted to go put on a show and just, just get after it. Um, so I didn't get the, the opportunity to get after it till later. I think I had probably three minutes of riding time. Um, cause coach wanted me to stay on him. So I just, like I said, I had that mindset from, from Daryl Pope go out there and dominate. And I felt the matchup was a really good matchup for me. And, uh, it turned out to be, so I was, um, I had a pretty good night of sleep after the semis when I saw that he beat, I think he beat, he beat, he beat, he beat three good guys, uh, to get to me. So he had a good game plan. And, um, but I felt really confident going into that match. The next season, your senior season, 1999, you're the top dog. You're expected to win. But at the national duels, there's a guy named Brock Lesnar who comes on the scene, and he really takes college wrestling by storm. He pins West Hand. He flexes. You guys were at the national duels, too. I think you guys might have went 0-2. So there was a time where Brock Lesnar was the talk of college wrestling. Do you remember that moment and what it was like to have another guy on the scene that was going to potentially push you? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I was I was pretty excited about the uh, All Star duels because I figured you know what I'm gonna get a chance to feel this guy out, see what he what he's all about. And then uh, he didn't. Um, I don't know. I don't know what happened, but maybe Minnesota was busy or something. And I ended up wrestling. I think John Henry Ward from Oklahoma. So I didn't get that shot. And then we got uh, into the tournament, and I remember he pinned his guy, pinned my guy, and it was you know leading up to the the finals. And he was definitely a. Uh, uh, a force looking at him just he was he was he looked different than any other heavyweight and uh fairly athletic as well so it was definitely uh going to be a good matchup in the in the finals if we could both get there and we did so it was uh not the way i think either of us wanted it to to go but 
kind of a boring match. And I think with so much riding on the line, because, you know, he wins, Minnesota wins the team title, and Iowa was cheering for me to win because then they would win the team title. And, and uh, so it just it turned out to be a real boring match, unfortunately. But do you remember that, though, with Brock? Did you feel like, hey, this guy's getting a lot of credit and it's a little bit of a threat? Do you, As a competitor, do you take that personal? Uh, not really, because, you know, at some point we're going to wrestle and uh, we're going to figure out who, who is better. So uh, this one thing in, in, a, in the NFL, they always talk about, oh, you know, they, talk, they used to talk smack to each other before Coach Belichick kind of made it where everyone respects their opponent. But, you know, you're going to, there's, I'm going to do my talking on Sunday. You know, I'm not going to talk beforehand and yeah, I'm going to show everybody, you know, so I, I, it didn't bother me that he was getting looked at because he was pinning guys that were really tough, you know? So it didn't, it didn't bother me at all that he was getting the, um, uh, the, the highlights that he was getting. So he definitely had earned them. So how strong was Brock Lesnar? Um, he was pretty strong. He, he had a, he, he had a really low stance. Um, and then I, I shot in, I had a good move and I was going for a pin and as I let go of my hands and try to lift his arm, he got his hips out and then, uh, he, he's able to, to escape that takedown. And then he shot in right away. I spun behind and right then it was two to one. And so I, I was waiting for him to attack, but we never really got too much after that. It was like I said, I, 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 I didn't attack cause I was expecting him to. And then, uh, we just kind of stood there and then. Um, yeah, we didn't really wrestle. It didn't put on a show, but everyone stayed because the team title was, <laughs> was, uh, in the balance. So, but, uh, yeah, he was, he was a, a, a powerful, uh, strong guy and he had a good, good low stance and didn't want to come out of the stance. So I just kind of waited and he waited and then we ran out of time. So, and, and then you flexed afterward. I'm assuming that was in just a, a response to him flexing at, at the national duels. Was that what you were doing? It could have been, I can't, you know, I was just so excited, um, to win. It, it, like I said, it could have been, I can't really remember, uh, to be honest with you, what I was thinking at that time. Um, but yeah, yeah. So got a little flex, like, yeah, I got muscles too. And then I uh, walked off and I really wasn't even winded after that one. Cause we didn't do very much. So I should have probably pushed the pace. And my coach is really upset with me, uh, coach Kerr, uh, cause I didn't attack more and, and uh, wrestle the way I, I, I could have. And you know, at the time, I, I was like, whatever, coach. But looking back, and uh, he was right. I should have just gone out there and, and just laid it on the line because no one had ever really – I don't think anyone ever really wrestled at the pace I wrestled at against him. And it would have been fun to see. You know, maybe he stops once you shots, but, you know, you barrage someone with 20 shots, a couple of them are going to go. Why do you think you didn't lay it on the line? Um, I think – I just thought he was going to come because if, if I was in his situation and my team needed me to win, I'm coming. Um, and, and it never happened. So I, I was waiting for something to happen and it just didn't come. So looking back, like I said, I wish I would have wrestled it differently, but, um, it is what it is. You can't go change, change the past. So, and then a few months later, you make the world team, you win the world championships. Do you feel like you were pretty adept at freestyle wrestling at that point? Uh, well, I, I had always enjoyed freestyle wrestling because uh, it's more of an explosive uh, uh, sport. It's not as much control. And so I really liked, you know, maybe you don't get the takedown, but you expose your shoulders, you know. And so I, I liked that aspect. I was not very good on bottom, um, but but I was pretty good on my feet. And so uh, that really made up for a lot of my weaknesses. Um, and the, t- the part-tear position, I was able to get away with a lot of things. 
pissing my uh, my neutral wrestling. So I, I enjoy freestyle. You're known for your blast double leg. What is the art to a great double leg takedown? Uh, well, there's, there's three things to every shot. Um, there's the level change, there's the penetration, there's the follow through. And so for, for me, towards the end of my career, I started, uh, I would get in my stance and I would circle. And as I circled, I'd, I'd get my legs further apart. And then when I would hit my back knee, that'd be my level change. But you couldn't really tell that my hips are going down because I'm hitting that back knee. And if my front knee is, has the right angle of a sprint, I can clear your, your head and hands defense. I could throw my, my forehead into your chest and I'm in a full on sprint. And so as I'm sprinting up like an airplane, I'm up to my feet. I'm knocking your, my opponent's shoulders back over their hips. And as I keep sprinting, they just go up into the air and then they, they fall down. So it looks like I'm way more powerful and, and quicker than them, but I just, the technique is, um, is really what it's all about. And, and a lot of times you take a shot and you stop. So I think every time you shoot, you have to sprint through the shot because at, at worst you get up to your feet. Um, so for me, it was, it, was, it was the angles, it was the motion and the timing, hitting all those things at the right time. And, uh, and especially I was going against heavyweights who weren't used to people doing that. So they didn't really recognize the danger they were in and then until it was too late. What did it feel like to win a world championship? Uh, I felt awesome. Um, I, my, my coach and wrestling partner, Daryl Pope was there and, and just being with him, training with him the whole time. And, and, uh, you know, we get out there and I remember after the break, it was three to one. And, uh, I, I was looking in his eyes and he was just like, man, you've done so good. I'm so proud of you. You're all over here in the, in the, in the finals of the world. And, and I, I thought a little bit like, he doesn't think I can win this thing. So, so, you know, then that gave me a little extra spark and, and, um, Fortunately, you know, the, the Europeans aren't as in good a shape as the Americans. So uh, I was able to, to keep going and grinding and, and, uh, and, and win that thing. And it was pretty cool to get the national anthem played in, uh, in a hostile place over there in Turkey. So that's always, that's always my, my goal whenever you go international. It's like I want these guys to hear out my, my country's uh, national anthem because uh, they, they, they need to hear that and respect it. And so uh, that's very, very happy that, that that happened. And I'm just so thankful for all the people that helped me get there along the way, you know, like I said, uh, coach Pope and all my workout partners, uh, Rafael Davis, um, my brother, all the guys I wrestled with just every day, you know, those guys really helped me get to where, where I needed to go. Dan Gable had retired as the head wrestling coach at the university of Iowa in 1997, but he was part of the coaching staff for that 1999 world championship team. Did you get a chance to know him a little bit? Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, I got to see him interact with a lot of his wrestlers, you know, uh, he'd go train those guys and they're running and, and, uh, he's just a really good guy and, uh, just intense and, and whatever he said, those guys believed, which was great, you know, and, and I, he came up to me one time and, and, uh, he said, Hey dude, what are you doing? I said, uh, I'm going to go run out outside because there's a lot of, uh, smog in the air. And he's like, Oh, Hey, let me tell you something. This arena, all the air rises to the top. It, all that stuff on the mat is going to be good. And I said, Oh, okay. That's, that's great. I said, but I know last year I wrestled here and they smoke in there. And he's like, smoke rises. That air is going to be perfect for you. You know? So he was just trying to get me to believe that's not going to be an issue. And for me, I, I don't care if it's an issue or not. I just wanted to go blow my lungs out, you know, in, in that air and just get it, get used to it. So it was funny. I could just see how, um, he, he has those guys at Iowa. They believe whatever he says, you know, and, and it's a it, These are good things he's saying. And, uh, just, just to be around something like that, the culture he he's created, 
there's no doubt why he's had so much success. So it's, it was, uh, it was fun to watch him uh, coaching all those guys. And, and John Smith was there. He had a little different way to coaching guys. And so it was, it was kind of good watching all these legends, you know, and then there's just, there's me and, and Daryl Pope were just sitting there watching it all. So it was pretty cool to, to be in that environment. The following year is the Olympics, the 2000 Sydney Olympics. You make it to the finals of the Olympic trials. You run into Kerry McCoy again, and you drop both matches. Why do you think you were unable to win the Olympic trials that season? Well, he'd always uh, worked on his uh, leg lace, and he hadn't, hadn't got it to work yet. And so uh, he watched a lot of film. He got prepared, and he got that thing dialed in where uh, I couldn't do what I was able to do before. And, uh, it was, it was frustrating because I thought I was ready to go. Um, but, uh, he just, he was more ready and, uh, he's more prepared and that leg lace was, was, was working for him that day and, uh, leg lace me in both matches and, and, uh, ended up getting on top and, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was frustrating all that work. And now I got to wait four more years for this opportunity. And at the time I was, I was willing to do it. I was, I was, I was going to go, but it kind of sucked, but. Then again, that's the sport. You know, you, you win some, you lose some, and you hope you hopefully you win more than you lose. Now we need to make sure that we tell everyone that you did not play a down of college football. You didn't put on the pads. You weren't part of the team. And yet, after the Olympic trials in two thousand, you opted to try for an NFL career. Tell us how that happened. Tell us why you decided to make it happen. How did all that transpire that you decided that you're going to give the NFL a shot? Well, I'd always wanted to play football. Our, our school doesn't have a football team. Um, but, but actually, I, I continued to wrestle after the Olympic trials. And in 2001, I was going to get McCoy back. And I ended up losing in the world team trials two out of three uh, to him. I got him one time. He got me twice over there in, uh, at Xavier University uh, over there in Cincinnati. I think it's Cincinnati. It's over there, Kentucky, Cincinnati. Um, but so after that, I, I, I'd always wanted to play football. I just didn't know how it was going to work out. Um, but after that 2001, uh, uh, wrestling world team trials, um, I was at a, uh, a wrestling camp in Edinburgh, Pennsylvania, the, the Bruce Baumgartner heavyweight camp. And so I'm, I'm there at camp and I've told people for years that someday I want to play football. And Matt Kafari was there and he said, Hey, Steve, I know an agent in Cleveland who might be able to help you uh, get, get you an opportunity to play football. So I said, okay. So we call him. We're in the dorm rooms in Edinburgh. Um, I call, I, uh, we call him up. I'm talking to him. And he said, hey, are you that guy that wrestled a few years back in Cleveland, heavyweight in the blue singlet? And I said, yeah. He said, well, I was there at that, that match. And I think you, you, you might have some skills, uh, but I, I'd love for you to come up here to Cleveland and um, we'll go to Columbus. And I have a strength coach that can work you out. and." he can let me know if, if he thinks you have the skills to play in the NFL. So um, with coach Baumgartner, we all had to sign agreements that we were going to be there the whole camp. And uh, Matt and I went to him and said, Hey, <laughs> Bruce, we got this opportunity for Steve to try to play football. Can we leave a, a day early or two days early? So he, he let us escape on J uh, July 4th, a day early. And uh, I met this guy and um, he has me work out for the, the, the strength coach and the guy says, yeah, I think, I think he has the ability. So uh, Neil Cornish happens to re represent Bill Belichick, who was in his second year for the Patriots. So uh, Neil calls Bill and says, hey, can you work this guy out as a favor to me? And uh, then next thing you know, I'm in Foxborough working out for the Patriots, who the year before were 5-11. and 11, 
And uh, this is in July. So training camp's right around the corner. So they told me after I did the workouts, they said, hey, training camp starts in uh, a week or two. Go home, get your stuff. If you can pass the conditioning test, we'll let you into camp. So, you know, as a wrestler, are you kidding me? Pass football conditioning? So I was able to pass that test pretty easy. And I got to go into camp and, uh, and, and pretend I was a football player for a few weeks. So it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. I've seen the comment where Bill Belichick says you didn't know how to put your pads on. That might be a little bit of a stretch, but how green were you going into that? Uh, I hadn't played football since 1993, and so now we're over here, uh, the 93-94 year uh, in high school. So now we're talking about we're in 2001. So it, it had been a long time. In high school, you have to wear a lot more pads than you have to in college in the pros because, you know, you're younger. So I, I remember – going up to our uh, equipment guy and I said, Hey, I don't have a girdle and hip pads. And he's like, buddy, you don't, you don't wear those around here. And, and I wouldn't give them to you because everyone would make fun of you. So, um, yeah, I didn't really know all that much. Um, but I did know that I had good conditioning. I had good, uh, um, balance. I had good footwork. I had a lot of good things. The only, the only bad thing is I just didn't know how to play football. So I just went out there with the attitude. I'm going to show these guys what I can do. And I was fortunate that I was able to show them some of the things. And one, one time comes in mind where we had conditioning at the end of practice. And the, you run conditioning by the group. So you have all the fast guys, the skill guys, they call them the wide receivers and the DBs. They're all running. They have to go over and back across the field. Let's just say 15 seconds. Then you have the linebackers, tight ends, quarterbacks, running backs. The bigger guys, they have to go over and back in uh, 17 or 18 seconds. And the big guys have 20 or 21 to go over and back. Well, I knew that I was in better shape than all these guys, so I had to show the coaches what I could do. So I sprint as fast as I could there and back. And I, I, I think I was you know, closer to the DB time than the other times. And uh, coaches are looking around like, well, this is, this is different. The guys on my team were mad. They thought I was trying to show them up, but I'm just trying to show the coaches what I could do because I can't play football right now. So I did that for the eight or ten sprints we had. Never broke stride because, you know, wrestling conditioning is a little different. And uh, I think that kind of sent a message to them that, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing right now, but I, I'm willing to work hard and I have a lot of good things that I can do, just not football yet. What is the difference between wrestling conditioning and football conditioning? Well, football, you know, it, it, it's a little bit different what position you play. Uh, but in wrestling, you don't get 30 seconds between plays. You know, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're grinding the whole time. And, uh, I think the one thing with football, there's 22 guys out there on the football field, so you're getting hit from all angles. You get you get hurt more because you can't control what's what's around you like you can in wrestling. But uh, that wrestling conditioning, you're out there by yourself. There's nowhere to hide. If you get tired, everyone sees. So you put in so much extra work so that when people see you, they they, they don't feel that there's a weakness in your game. Where in football, offensive line, you can be tired. You can you can block for two seconds and let off. The guy makes a play, but no one's you know, hey, you you got a good fit. Um, so it's, it, I think it's, it's, it's a lot different. Wrestling is the best conditioning I've ever been in. So I, I think the wrestling is, is far more, more uh, it's definitely the hardest sport I've ever, ever done. So we know the conditioning and the grit and the toughness from wrestling applies, but do the skills, some of those precise things you need to be able to do to block, did those apply to football? So, yeah, they're, they're called different things in football, but, um, you always talk about um, uh, level change in wrestling and they talk about pad level in football. So if I'm trying to, to, to knock my guy back, I need to have my head 
below their head, my hands, you know, and I got to have my hands inside, which you talk about hand fighting. You always want your hands inside wrestling. So all those type of things. And then the leverage. So, you know, when, when, when you're wrestling someone, they're about to spin. You've been wrestling for so long. You have that feel. So in football, I, I'm getting into someone. I feel their body about to move. I'm adjusting my lower part of my body to, to, to not let them get by me. So, so many things in wrestling helped me with football. Now I couldn't do my wrestling moves because, uh, you probably get in trouble doing that stuff, but just the the amount of time, the hours I had actually touching another human being in wrestling and understanding where they're going to go. When you're wrestling someone, I could sit there and I could tell you, okay, he's about to shoot right now. And they shoot, you know, cause you're just sitting there, you wrestle. So it's really easy to kind of see what they're about to do before they do it because of the experience I had from wrestling. So yeah, all that stuff transferred over really well. And I would encourage every single football player. If you want to be a better football player, go in that wrestling room. You don't have to compete, but just go in there and learn what it feels like to, to be uh, actually touching someone for 30, 40, 50, an hour each day in practice instead of the two minutes of physical contact in football per practice. So we know going back, you placed fourth at the state wrestling championships, and then within five years, you're a world champion. So you make these exponential gains, but it has to be a little bit quicker than that. You're essentially a football neophyte. How did you pick it up? How did you finally get to that point where you're NFL ready virtually in one season? Man, I had a lot of trust uh, by the coaches. They, they believed in me. They saw, um, they saw my, my work ethic, my determination, and my desire. And so they were willing to work with me extra. Um, so I actually, that first year, I got cut um, from the Patriots after the third preseason game. So I was with them for five weeks. And uh, Bill Belichick and Scott Pioli, our uh, GM at the time, they, they brought me in. They said, hey, Steve, uh, man, we love everything about you, except for you don't know how to play football. I said, well, I've had a great time. I appreciate this. They said, but the one thing, um, this year we need football players. But next year we want to bring you in in February and March when the offseason starts, we want to teach you how to play. And so I said, hey, guys, thank you for this great opportunity. I don't know if they're going to call me back or not. Maybe just being nice. Um, but then as soon as I got back to Bakersfield, I flew home. My agent called Neil Cornish. He said, Hey, the Eagles want you on practice squad. So I got to go to the, the Philadelphia Eagles because Chuck Bednarik's a huge Lehigh wrestling fan. And he told those guys, Hey, if you see this guy's name, bring him in. He's going to be a great, he could be a great player. So, um, got to go there and I, I actually learned what they did week to week. So in, in, in wrestling, you have pretty much, you have two, two speeds, you're drilling or you're going live in football. They have a whole bunch of different speeds. Their life is actually competition. Um, drilling, there, there's there's levels in between because when you're going live in practice, you can't go to the ground. So all these kind of things I I, I learned and picked up uh, with the 12 weeks I was with the Eagles, and then uh, later that season, you know, uh, they they ca- called me up. Steve want to bring you back to security for next year, so I went back to the Patriots, and then that was the first year they won the Super Bowl. So I was able to to hang around these guys, observe and kind of learn what was going on and figure things out on my, on my own. And then the coaches really poured into me because they saw I had that desire and the, the, the attitude of trying to, to learn this stuff. And so I think they, they, uh, they saw the skills I had, and then um, they, they knew that they were good enough coaches that they could transfer them and make it work for, for me in, the, uh, in a different sport. Bill Belichick is known for taking what appear to be marginal guys and building them into something special. Could you have done this anywhere other than New England? You know, I'm not sure if I would have got the same opportunities. Um, 
I know Bill's always looking long term. And so sometimes that means, hey, I don't think you have more than two years left. So we're in the part ways. Um, or, hey, you're not where you need to be now, but I think we can get you where we want you to be. And for me, I think because I had success at an individual sport, I really love the team aspect. Tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. Because when the team wins in football, everyone gets a Super Bowl ring. Everyone's a champ. Not, you know, if one guy wins from your team, all your workout partners, they're happy, but they get no recognition. So um, I was really happy to do my role and do it the best I could. And I was uh, fortunate that they saw that in me and they kept me around for as long as they did. What does Bill Belichick do right to make him possibly the greatest football coach ever? I think the one thing that maybe other people don't look for, a lot of times they look for the talent, the skills, all that stuff. But I think they truly look for the, uh, to the, the desire for people to win. Because to be honest, if they would have paid me $2 or, or no money and said, hey, come play football, I would have gone and played football. And at New England, you have a bunch of people that they, the money's great, but they're there because they want to win and they want to be the best. And I, I think when you have those type of people all together and they see things for, hey, if we all work together, we can get to this goal. We might not be all the best, greatest athletes, but we, we, we really want to win. And you get those guys all together, I think you can be pretty successful. So you're telling me the financial component for you wasn't part of the driving force to go into the NFL? Um, the, the money was great, but I always wanted to play football. I just thought that was, that was one of the sports that, uh, that I just loved playing. I love hitting people. I, I, to be honest, I really didn't want to be on offensive line, but once I got there, I, I enjoyed it. Cause I knew where the play was going. I could, I could hit people every play. Um, I, I just, something about football is just something I've always, always loved. Um, putting on pads, going out there and you can hit people leading with your head and you're not going to get too hurt, you know? So, um, you know, wrestling, think if you had pads on your wrestling, you could really do some damage to people, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, the, the, the first piece was great, but I, I didn't play football for the money. I played because I love the sport and the money thing was great. I, I felt like I didn't work a day of my life because they're paying me to, to do this. This is, this is, this is awesome. So, um, and then the, the guys you're around too, the bunch of great guys got to meet. Now they're having success coaching. So it's kind of fun watching them. But uh, yeah, money was great, but if, if wrestling and football played the same, I still wanted to play football because I thought I could, and I never got that opportunity. And I didn't want to be someone, you know, 43 years old, like I am now looking back, telling people, oh, I could have played football, but I just didn't get it. You know, I didn't get a, a, a fair shot. So I got a shot and I wanted to try to do it. And I was able to do it for a little while. Compare and contrast Dan Gable and Bill Belichick. Can you see similarities and why they're great? Um, man, Coach Gable, it, I think Coach Gable and Bill Belichick, they leave no stone unturned. They are, um, they are, they probably stay up and they're probably thinking about how they can be successful um, more than anyone else around. So I, I was never there with Coach Gable, but I, I would imagine he's, he's, his was the first car there in the morning, the last car to leave. And that's, that's how Belichick was. So I would imagine that's a quality that they share. They have that de desire and determination to be the best, and they're willing to do whatever it takes to, uh, to make that happen. Does Tom Brady have that too? 100%. Yeah, 100%. He's, he's there early. He's there late. He had a guy living with him that just took care of his body. So when someone gets hurt and it takes them two weeks, he's, he's getting 24-hour care. He's ready in three days. So I just, these guys are willing to do whatever it takes to, to, 
get there week to week and uh, and do their best. And you know, sometimes other people there's there's good plays that happen and you end up losing, but uh, you got to figure out why that happened and try to make sure it doesn't happen again. And did you like him? You did, did you did you consider him a friend? Uh, yeah, I love Tom. He's he's a competitor um, and as a leader, if he ever tells you to do something. He's not just going to say, hey, you know, go do this, this, and this. If he tells you to do something, he's willing to do it right there with you. You know, if he's like, hey, let's have a meeting here at uh, 6 a.m., he'll be there at 530 prepping for that thing. He's not going to walk in late. And so I think if you're a leader, you lead from the front. You let everyone behind you know you're willing to do whatever, whatever it takes. Um, whatever I'm asking you, I'm willing to do too. And I think people will follow that. Take us through that 2007 season. You guys go undefeated in the regular season, 16-0, and and then you get beat by the Giants in the Super Bowl. What was that like? It was tough. I was battling a shoulder injury all, all season, and uh, I'd actually only played in eight of the games. So they were injecting my shoulder with these shots every every few weeks um, to try to help me make it through the season. And then once I got to the playoffs, I started playing. And then in the Super Bowl, right before halftime, um, I get hit in the knee and, and uh, I don't get to finish the game. So that was, that was tough in itself for me personally. But um, the season we had, we had a few games where they were pretty close and we were able to pull, pull away. Um, I think the Baltimore game, it was really, really close. The Eagles game was pretty close. Um, we went in there, we were confident. I don't, I don't want to say we were overconfident, but sometimes you go and there's, there's plays that happen. I mean, there's, probably two or three interceptions that were dropped. Um, there's that play with the helmet catch. Sometimes teams just make more plays. Uh, you look back in 2001, no one thought the Patriots could beat the Rams and uh, the Patriots made a few more plays and the Rams had a couple things go uh, against them and we were able to, to beat them in 2001. So it sucked, but um, that's life sometimes. You know, it sucked not making the Olympics, but that sun came up the next day and you just got to keep moving on. So, uh, but yeah, it was, it was fun that whole season. Uh, I, I, I felt the worst for, uh, for three individuals on the team. You have junior sale, you have Randy Moss and you have Wes Welker. These guys came over there, big parts of the team. And I felt like because we didn't get that game, we let them down because a lot of those guys on the team had been around and won Super Bowls. Those three free agents, um, never got that opportunity with us. And so that's, that's what I feel the worst about, to be honest with you. Injuries are such a part of the NFL. How do you work through injuries and get yourself healthy so that you can play the next game when you come off an injured reserve? So, yeah, when you get injured, uh, there's treatment. You're doing treatments like three, four, five, five times a day. You go in there early, and then between each uh, meeting, they go in there and you get ice, you get stem, you get massaged, you get whatever it takes. Um, they get you in the pool if your your knees are hurt and get you trying to move in. You're on the treadmills. You can't. They have harnesses if it's your lower body. Uh, shoulders, like I, after I hurt my shoulders, they put these shoulder straps on me for every single game and every single practice where I couldn't really move that well, but it would kind of protect my shoulders. So um, there's, and then the off season, you're over here battling. If you have surgery, trying to get back as quick as you can, but you don't want to go too fast. Um, so it just, and that's the one thing with, with, with football. I, I, I tell people it's like you're going to be getting in. The, if you're just the regular season, you have 16 car accidents each week you have to prepare for. And then you have to get through that week and then get ready for that next game and have another car wreck. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a long season. But uh, that's the one thing about football. It's, uh, that, that's probably the toughest thing about football is, is 
knowing you're going to be hurt, knowing you're not going to be hundred percent, but you still have to go and give it your best and compete. When did so you it's know- similar like that in wrestling, you're cutting weight, but it's, it's definitely different in football. When did you know it was time to retire? Well, I wanted to keep playing, uh, but in 2000 and 2009, I believe was my uh, last year of my contract. And we lost to Baltimore in the wild card game. And I was really contemplating coming back or not. And I was just like, man, I, I don't know if my body can, can make it or not. But then coach Belichick called me up. Um, you know, he gave me a couple of months after the season and uh, we were talking and he said, Hey Steve, we know you can't make a full year on the uh, offensive line, but we, we have another proposition for you. And I said, okay, well, what do you think? He's like, we could make you a tight end and a fullback and you could be on the edge or you could be, you know, in motion, you could, you could do the wham, the trap blocks. And I said, you know what? That actually sounds like a good idea. You know, that sounds like fun. But um, because of football and everyone gets hurt, we had an injury and a holdout. And those two guys are both guards. And so I got put on the offensive line. After eight games, I I was hurt again. And I had to have shoulder surgery. And then after that surgery, I was was excited. I'm like, okay, next year it's going to go back to tight end fullback. But the doctor pretty much said there's nothing left to fix. If I got hurt again, I need a replacement. And so that's where I'm at now. I just had a replacement a year ago. He he was right. The next surgery I'd have would be a replace replaced uh, shoulder. So um, I might have played a year too long, but um, I, I have no regrets. I, I I wish I had more use of my 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 shoulders, but um, I had so much fun going out there playing playing the uh, sports I loved, and uh, the two sports I picked I guess aren't too good on your your joints anyways. So <laughs> uh, kind of I, I get what I uh, what I deserve. Did you ever use your wrestling during practice or in football where it was just actually, all right, this is, I'm in wrestling mode right now. I have to use my skills as a wrestler. Um, I think the one thing, well, there's one time where I, I knee picked a guy and he was about to fall down. So I had to back off because I didn't want to get caught for holding. Um, we were downfield, we were running, I had an underhook and I'm like, Oh, and I touched the knee and I, I, I let go. Um, but the one probably the one play where I use it the most was in field goal. So uh, we're you know, in the, doing the field goal and those guys are coming. But for me, I could, I'm in a low stance. And as soon as I, I step, I'm ducking my head. I'm kind of peeking out, but I have my head underneath them. And then I could just, no one was ever able to get um, uh, any, any uh, pressure through me and my, uh, the, the tackle I was next to. Cause I told it, showed him what I was doing you know, they they couldn't get any pressure on that side, but that was it, was it was. That's where I felt like I was actually wrestling because you sit here, you step, you're changing levels, you're coming up, and then you're driving in. So it wasn't really a double leg, but it was kind of it had that little bit of a feel every time we did the field goal protection. Did most people on the team know about your wrestling and know not to mess with you? Um, yeah, they did. So, but my first um, first training camp, uh, you, like I mentioned, there's 22 guys out there and. I was on defensive line to start, then they moved to offensive line, and uh, I'm, I'm running out there, and I'm running trying to block this guy, and I trip, and I, as I'm falling, I run into this guy's legs, and he thinks I'm trying to cut block him. That's what they call it when you dive at the legs. That's, you definitely don't do that in practice. So he gets up, and he starts throwing blows, and I get up, and I change levels, double leg him to his back, and then just I'm not trying to hurt him. I'm just trying to stop him from throwing blows. And so after that happened, they're like, oh, don't mess with this guy because he – he could, he can do some things. Um, and then the guy watched the film and he apologized. He said, I thought you were trying to take me out, but I see you, you tripped. 
So uh, that was the one, the one uh, incident I had. I and mean, then from then on, it was uh, nobody really messed with me at all. But uh, I think they respected the sport when they saw that on, on film. <laughs> Let's come full circle on this then and just talk about how wrestling does apply to your ability to play in the NFL. So you had a great wrestling career, didn't play down of college football, but then you get into the NFL. Just walk us through exactly and specifically as you can how wrestling gave you that ability to play in the National Football League. Well, I think the uh, the uh, amount of um, hours, days, weeks of actual physical contact prepared me for uh, for football as far as getting my hands in the right spots, feeling what my opponent's going to do, and being able to react to that before they can get there. That'd be one thing. I think my level change, so the pad level and being able to, in the running game, get underneath guys and drive them, that was there. My body awareness and, and, and my footwork through you know attacking on my feet was uh, there to help me to be a great pass blocker where I could have my weight inside. I could move side to side and no one's going to get by me. Um, the hand fighting, getting my hands inside where on pass blocks, they're trying to chop your hands down. And I'm able to keep hand fighting and get my hands on the chest and drive them back. Um, just my determination in wrestling. I didn't want to give one takedown. I didn't want to give any pressure, any sack and, you know, just, just that kind of a mindset. And, and then I, I don't think I ever really felt like I was tired playing football. You know, you, you're out there for a long time and it's tiring, but I never felt like I was so exhausted that I couldn't go another play. Um, and I think in wrestling, it teaches you to keep competing and keep fighting when you're tired. So I think all those things and probably even more really helped, helped me to uh, not only get to play for a little bit in the NFL, but get to play for a long time with a really good team. What's the difference in wrestling culture versus football co- culture? Yeah, um, I think in wrestling, you, you kind of know where you stand uh, in life. Um, I think, unfortunately, in football culture, um, everyone is so, I don't say nice, but everyone is so, um, they, they treat you like you're, you're, you're more important than you actually are. Um, they, they, it's, it's like a false sense of reality. Like you think you're so special cause you're playing this game of football. And, and I think when the, your, your career as a football player gets, gets done, those guys have a hard time realizing that they're, they're just regular people. They think they're this special person, but when football has gone, they're not getting to, all the perks they got when they were playing, if that makes any sense. So as a wrestler, I think it really helped me realize what the reality is. If I get hurt, I need to wait two or three weeks for an MRI where football players, they think I need to get this thing done tomorrow. What's going on? Cause they just don't understand what the reality of, of life is. I think there's some kind of a little bit of a bubble around the football players. And you got to think some of these guys, they're star athletes in, in high school Everyone looks up to them, treats them really well. They're star athletes in college. Same thing. They get in the NFL. So they just think the world that we live in is everyone's worshiping me and this is how it's supposed to go. Then they retire and no one cares about them and there's a huge void. So I I, I really love the wrestling culture because that's more of how life really is. Um, you go out there, you grind every day, and people are going to recognize the, the work you put in and they're going to appreciate it. And um, I just... I think the wrestling culture is, is something that uh, I'm really thankful that I got because I don't know how I would be if I, if I ended up playing football in college and was, was really good and played in the, in the NFL. It'd be a lot tougher 
for me at the end of my retirement than if I, um, but because of wrestling, I think it's a much easier transition. Is that how you've been able to stay so humble is because of wrestling or are there other factors? I think how I was raised, I, I don't think anyone's more important than me and I don't think anyone's uh, less important than me. I think we're all creating in God's image. And I think we all have a purpose on this, this planet. We all have a reason why we're here. And the key is we got to figure out what our strengths and weaknesses are and, and uh, what, what gifts we have. And we've got to try to use those gifts to the best of our ability to make this place a, a better place. And uh, fortunately for me, I found some of my gifts were in, in athletics and I was able to use them. And, and, um, and now because of what athletics has given me, I'm able to get, go back and, and talk to kids and try to give them, um, give them hope and, and let them know that they can do some awesome things. They just got to figure out what they're good at, you know? So it's, it's very, very fun to get to go and, and see kids where I was at, especially the, that ninth grade year when I made a choice to walk into wrestling that was going to change my life forever. So it's, it's fun to see and, and let them know that decisions they make today can have a big influence on their lives forever. And it sounds like you're more connected to wrestling than football. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Um, the one thing in wrestling, I'm actually helping out at our church. We have a high school. We have three wrestlers, so I go there most days. But the amount of work you have to put in for football is is much higher as a coach uh, if you want to be successful because you have to get a good game plan. You got to watch all their film. You got to anticipate what they're going to do. And in wrestling, I mean, you can get a pretty good idea just watching one match on someone. What their lead leg is is going to be their attack hand. What what they like to do, they like to attack, they like to throw. You know, so um, I don't want to say being a wrestling coach is there's not a lot of work put in, but to be a successful football coach that takes a lot, a lot of work. And there's a lot of pieces going in there. You have to work with people. Where I think the wrestling is, uh, you put in some time, but you you can have two or three guys, and you can you can uh, you can get a. a, a you could be successful a wrestling coach with uh, probably a little bit less time. When you go to the NCAA championships, do a lot of people want to come up and talk to you and tell you their fond memories about you? Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. You get to go there and you get to meet a lot of fans. And uh, a lot of times I think they remember the stories uh, a little bit uh, better than they actually were, but I've learned to just listen to them and, and, and not correct them. If uh, they're doing a couple extra points or, any of that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's, it's fun. There's nothing like wrestling people. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling people myself. So it's, it's always good to go back there, see a bunch of old friends and, and, uh, and share time and then watching the new guys coming up and, and seeing the great teams and the great battles. I mean, this year is going to be a great NCAA tournament over there in Minnesota. Not sure about the setup, a little bummed about that, but, um, uh, it's going to be a great competition and it just seems like it just keeps getting better and better year after year. What do you think about this heavyweight crop? There's some good guys right now. There is. Uh, I got to go, I think this last year, to Michigan in the off season, and uh, Mason Paris, man, he's he's good looking heavyweight. And then you got uh, Stevenson. I mean, you got yeah, so many good guys out there, and uh, and they're all battling, you know. So um, I just really enjoy. For so many years, people say, oh, heavyweights can't shoot. You know, it's too hard for them to get down and get up. And it's like, well, that's not true. They're just doing it wrong. So you got to teach them how to do it right, shoot at the right time. And, and a lot of these guys, are they, they understand that if I shoot in, i got to get hip to hip and control that ankle so his hips can't get on my head. So they're doing a lot of things that are fun to watch and, uh, and exciting. And I'm just so thankful for 
ESPN3, they have wrestling on there. Uh, you have the Big Ten Network. There's wrestling all over the place. Flow wrestling. So there's, it's so much easier to be able to watch here in California, a lot of high-level wrestling, and, and not have to go all over the, the, the country to go see it. So very, very thankful for technology. It's pretty cool. Are you going to Minnesota for the Nationals? I'm not sure. Um, I'm not, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to go because my daughters have a volleyball tournament. Um, so... I will be watching wherever wherever I'm, I'm, I'm at. Uh, last year, I stayed in Bakersfield. We actually, uh, uh, a buddy of mine, Brian Cobb, he, he wrestled at Cal State. He had a sports bar with eight TVs, and we, we put each one of the mats on a TV. So we were able to watch uh, the, all NCAAs on different TVs throughout his, his little bar. Unfortunately, it, it's, it's like starts at was it eight in the morning or seven in the morning? So there's no one in the bar. We're just, just all of us wrestlers and we've got to watch the uh, first session. Then the second session, it's a little later. So people come trickling in, but no one complained. We were watching wrestling while we were there. So it was, it was pretty fun. So right now your lifestyle includes just following your sons and daughter or excuse me, daughters and son. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, just, just go around and uh, we had a basketball game last night. Didn't turn out the way we'd like. Uh, I'm really trying to work on, trying to be the father, not the coach. So it's, it's easy for me to see what could be done better, but that's really not my role. So it's, it's hard for me to hold my tongue because I want them to be able to be the best they can be. And uh, they just want me to be a loving dad. So I'm working on that right now, but um, yeah, I just follow them. And my little guy, I just registered, registered him for a little wrestling tournament on Saturday. So we're going to go, it'll be his first one of this season. So um yeah, just having fun being being a dad and and uh, hanging out with them and trying not to coach them too much. Just uh, unless they want it, unless they want it. Are you a nervous parent? Uh, no, I, I think for me, my goal is I want to see my kids compete. Um, I don't care if you win or you lose. I want you to just go out there and give it your all. And I'd like for you to be, you know, have a little bit of of uh, situational awareness and you know understanding what's coming. Uh, but I just want to see you go out there and give it your all. And then if you can do that, you can always tweak, you know, what's, you can always find the reason why you lost, you know, well, you can roll to your hip and then you went to your back. So let's just keep your hip square than that, whatever it may be. But uh, if I can just get them to compete and not be okay with losing, I think that's hopefully going to get them um, on a good track for later in life. Have you and Brock Lesnar ever had a conversation? I think the last time I, I, I talked to him, it was, he was at the U.S. Open. So we chatted for a little bit, um, but that was that was about it. So I'm, I've followed his career, and I, I'm happy he's had a lot of success. He's uh, he's worked really hard and had a lot of people, a lot of people like him, a lot of people don't. And uh, I think it's part of being an entertainer in that uh, the WWE or whatever it's called now. But uh, definitely hope uh, hope he's doing well. And I I wish he would have got the same opportunity in football that I got because I think if if they gave him that much time, it, it could have worked out good for him. Stephen Neal, you have an incredible story, world champion to world champion in the National Football League. Thank you for taking the time to share it with us. I'm going to put some heat on you. We hope to see you at the NCAA championships this year, but if not, it sounds like you'll be watching. I will, and I, I like I said, it might just be a season in my life where I can't go for a few years, but I'll be, I'll be back there. I'll be back at the Nationals, but uh, definitely can't put that over my kids. So um, if I can, I'll be there. If not... I'll, we'll be watching. So thanks for having me on. Stephen Neal, thanks for the time.